Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. And God's got a message for us today, and I'm so thankful as he talked to me, and we've been seeing some wonderful things happening. We've got some things brewing. There's some things just kind of floating in the ether. And God's talking to us and talking to our leadership, and there's, there's just a tension there. There's just something good that's coming. We've heard some awesome preaching at district conference this year. Midwinter camp was fantastic if you were there. There's things happening at the United Nations. There's things happening in churches all over this country. And I'm telling you what, it's going to be worth it all. Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk to you this morning. The title of my message is, This is Where We Draw the Line. And so I said to God, I was praying about this uh, yesterday. I was out in the, uh, yesterday morning, I was out in the field turkey hunting and there were no turkeys anywhere for 150 miles or so or something. And so the Lord and I had a chance to talk and, and uh, just thinking about my message and going over things I like to prepare. And I said, God, are you giving me a pep rally? Do we do pep rallies in church? And uh, I think the answer, answer came back is you, you bet, we sure do. And so maybe I've got maybe a lighter tone, maybe a little bit less substance, but more pep, because you know what? God's got something happening, and it is going to be worth it all. And this is where we draw the line. If you would turn with me this morning to Psalm chapter 62, I just want to read a short scripture before I get started. Psalm 62, and I didn't give my list upstairs, Brother Ron, I apologize. Psalm 62, starting... All right, Psalm 62, let's start at verse one. It says, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall, excuse me, a bowing wall shall be and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth and they curse inwardly. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Amen. My expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Amen. You can be seated this morning. So before I get into here's where we draw the line, I want to talk to you about expectations. And God dealt with me recently in, in, in my prayer and thinking about my walk in, in, in ministry and things that I'm doing in my work here at the church. And I realized something and something came to me and I realized that it's very easy for us in, in our human flesh and in our nature to get into routine and to kind of get into a mode. If things are going good and you're just kind of rolling and things are working right, it's easy to just sort of kind of fall into a, a track, right? Well, everything's good. You're getting a good grade. But it's easy to kind of start to slide. And, and something that I experience personally for me is I have forgotten or maybe just sort of set aside or, or let go a little bit that this life, what we're doing here in this church, should be preceded by expectation. We should walk into the house of God with expectation in our minds and in our hearts every time. When we preach the word, when we minister, when we teach a Bible study, when we witness to a friend, we should have expectation in our hearts and in our minds. If you're a guest in the house this morning, if you're new to Abundant Life, you've only been here a couple of times, I want to tell you you're in an apostolic Pentecostal church. 
Well, what does that mean? It means that we come from the Bible, we come from the place where God established the church. Praise the Lord. This is a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-believing Bible church. We have the Spirit of God, and if you didn't feel it just a little while ago in that awesome song service, you need just to move a little bit further up on the pews. But this is an apostolic church, born in the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Those of you that have been around a while have heard that quoted a couple of times. But what happened on that day is the church was given power and ability and direction true power, and we have that today, and we have that ability, but we get kind of routine sometimes. That's okay, you're a human, you're flesh, I do it too. And we forget about expectation. We forget about what we should be expecting from God. Church can become a routine. Well, you come and you worship, and you give your tithe, and you do the good things, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have so much more potential than that, and so much more power. And so when you walk in those doors, and, and I'm talking to me now, remember, this came, this came from me. This was my direction and my conviction. And God said, you need to have expectation. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. See, there's a lot of churches out there. The world, the world is, in a, is a, in a tumultuous state. The world is in a mess right now, and I don't need to tell you that. But if you're fearful, if you're afraid of what's happening in the world, I heard a guy, a voice the other day, I forget where I was at, some guys were talking in a restaurant, and I heard one of the guys say, yeah, we're pert near nuclear war now. You know, and it tells you this is on the hearts and minds of people. I want to tell you first, again, I got a message for the guests, and I got a message for the members. I got a message from some of you veterans. I got a message for you young people. But I'm telling you first and foremost, the church is not part of that mess. And if you're fearful about what's happening in the world, then you don't have expectation. And here's where we draw the line. This is where we draw the line. The world's got their mess to deal with, but we've got the power of the Spirit. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the Acts experience. We are apostolic. And if you're new in this place today and you don't know what that means or not sure where I'm coming from, I'm going to explain it in just a minute. And you're going to have your opportunity. See, when we come into the house, sometimes we're just kind of doing our service. And that's a good thing. You're servants. You want to serve God. You want to show up every week and do what you're supposed to do. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's got so much more for you. And you should have expectation. For example, I think sometimes we sort of forget that God is a giver. And we sort of see him as a taker. Right? He's taking my time, takes my time. Now, I'm not saying you're calling God a taker. Of course not. No one would do that. But we sort of treat the walk and the life and the service as a take from us. Well, when I go to church, that takes my time. If I have to show up on Wednesday night, that takes my time. If I have to give my tithe, that takes my money. And it's, we have that mentality. Well, that just comes from the flesh. That just comes from being a human being. doesn't mean you're a bad person doesn't mean you're terrible. It just means you're fighting this nasty, ugly stuff that our spirit is coated in, right? And so that expectation idea that I'm talking about is saying, when you come into the house and you're giving of that time, expect God to do great things for you so that you'll have more time than you've ever had before. You ever hear people walking around all the time? Oh, I don't have any time. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. The devil has turned this world into the most busy, crazy, nutty, stressful, blah, 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 blah. All the time, people are racing, 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 racing. And they have no time. But I'll tell you what, if you start dedicating your time to the work that God has for you in your life, you're going to have more time than you realize. He's a giver, 
not a taker. He's going to give you time. If you show up here on a Monday night for prayer or a Friday night for prayer or you're involved with the youth at prayer or whatever it is, oh, it takes my time. That's my Friday night or that's my, oh, that's my rest time or that's my favorite TV show. Again, I understand you're fighting the flesh. I'm in school right now. I'm in college, believe it or not. I'm finishing up a bachelor's degree and I take classes and, I, and I'm buried with stuff in time. I ask my wife. I'm up till one o'clock in the morning half the time writing papers and doing stuff. And all my stuff is due on Mondays and Tuesdays and I'm rah, racing, racing, racing and, and, it, and it's a pain and I, feel, I always feel like I never have enough time. But it's funny when I decide in my heart I'm gonna dedicate something to God's time, all of a sudden I have a lot of time. God's a giver. And you need to expect that if you take that step, I'm telling you, there's been times, there's been times in my walk where I just, I begrudgingly carried myself to the church. Like, oh, I got so much to do, or I'm so tired. I came in here on a Wednesday night once. This was many years ago. Brother Dwight Davis was still our assistant pastor. And I sat back in the room, terrible day at work, tired, weak, wiped out, I, mentally just, just gone. And I'm like, why am I here? I, I don't want to be here. I'm I don't even remember what was preached. But when the altar call came, God spoke to me. And I felt an urgency to get to that altar. And I came down to the altar. I was way this before the new platform. I was over on this other side. And I came over there and knelt down. I said, God, I just, I can't, I'm done. And I had one of the most amazing, powerful prayer experiences I've ever had at an altar service. Dwight Davis, he came over and prayed for me. He said, man, I don't know what in the world happened in your life right now, but God just dropped a bomb on you. <laughs> and I had energy and I had peace and I stood up and I felt strong and I, and I realized God's a giver. And we need to have the expectation that if we step through those doors at any point during the course of a service or a time, you can be used. You can be used or God can call you. The works of the Spirit are active in this church. You heard it a little while ago. We have people that have those gifts. You probably have those gifts. There are gifts that God is ready to give you if you would just step out. Well, that takes my time. That takes my overcoming embarrassment. That takes my pride in order to give all that up. But I'll tell you what, you start getting used in the works. Start getting used in the spirit. And you're going to find you have more energy and more strength, and more confidence, and more, and more power in your walk. But you got to come with expectation, just like the scripture said. After I finally found it in verse 5, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. And if you research expectation in the Bible, it's referenced several times. God talks about expectation. He even talks about the expectation of the wicked. It says the expectation of the wicked is that all they have will perish. But we have a greater expectation. God's not taking from us of our money. And I'm not going to get into, brace yourself. I'm going to say something about tithing, a little bit of giving, but that's just a little piece. God's not a taker of your money. If you give, as the Bible says, as the scripture says, and you give of yourself, and you give to the kingdom for God to do Many, many, many of us can tell you, stand up right now and say, God gives it back. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Every time, if you have the expectation, if you give from your heart with expectation, 
If you hand over that dollar and you can expect, maybe it doesn't come back in, in the form of $50, but it comes back in a blessing from a friend. I just had somebody just out of the clear blue say, hey, I've got this, this stereo. Do you have a stereo? I don't have a stereo. When my wife and I have a little tiny block thing. We pop CDs in once in a while. He says, I want you to have this beautiful stereo. Just like that. Now, I wasn't looking for a stereo, but we, kept, we keep lamenting however, you know, Christmas time, we want to play CDs or we want to play music in the house or something when we're cleaning, doing chores. And he just takes the beautiful thing, big thing. It's got all kinds of great stuff. He said, have it, take it. I said, I got to give you money for it. No, I don't want it, take it. You know, Brother Meyer and I, Brother Mike Meyer and I just had that experience uh, turkey hunting this week. This guy gave us a house to stay in for four days. We took up a collection to pay for him. The guy said, nope, I'm not taking it. Do you have a youth ministry at your church? Mike said, yeah, I do. Give it to them. How about that? This is how the kingdom works. Expectation. This is how the kingdom works. If you give of your time and your talents and your treasures, like I preached about not too long ago, your abilities, God's not taking them. He'll give you more ability. He'll give you more to do because this is the apostolic church, the Holy Ghost-filled church, the church of power from Acts 2.38. And he'll take that and multiply it and he will use you in the kingdom if you let him, if you come with expectation and you believe that he'll do it. And that's what expectation is really about. It's just another word for faith. Step out in faith. Use your abilities and expect God is going to do something great. How different would, this, would these song services be if we walked in here on Sunday morning and we were just charged up? Man, I know God's going to do something today. I can feel the spirit in the house this morning and pretty soon people are going to start getting filled with the Holy Ghost and we're going to get excited again, right? This is what the church needs to do because the world is going crazy. And any day, any day, it's going to get crazy enough and people are going to start knocking on this door. You believe that? Because that's the expectation I have. See, I'm excited about what's happening in the world right now because I'm a child of the king. I subscribe to the program. I make my mistakes and I fail and I trip and fall, but I know where to come to fix that. People in the world don't know where to go, but one day it'll dawn on them. Everything else that they're not doing isn't working. And they're going to come knocking on that door. And those people need you. They need you to be able to preach the gospel, teach them a Bible study, tell them, give them hope, give them expectation that you have so they can make it. That's what they need. They need you to be able to minister to them. A brother in the Lord just recently said to our leadership group, I believe that God is pushing the harvest through your church. Some of you were there for that, and I believe every bit of that. The harvest is being pushed through our church. We don't have to go out hardly knocking doors, do a whole lot of campaigns, spend a lot of money advertising. People are coming here. Your friends, your neighbors, your guests are coming. When you bring them, do you have expectation? Are you concerned that somebody's going to run around in a circle? We're going to do some holy roller thing? Or is the expectation that something's going to be said? Some song's going to be sung. The preacher's going to say a word, and it's going to prick them in their hearts, and they're going to begin to cry. And when the altar call is made, that person's going to stand up and say, yes, Sammy, yes, Joe, yes, Mary, I want to go up. Do you have that expectation? Because that's the apostolic way, and that's what we should have. We should have that expectation. Amen. If you turn, you don't have to turn with me, but if you turn to the book of Genesis chapter one, I'm gonna read you the first scripture. You might've heard this before. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Pretty profound. You could preach a whole message on that. I've heard messages preached on that scripture. 
But now if you turn way, way, way back to the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 21, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now why did I just read you those two scriptures? Because guest, new person, veteran, young people, I'm here to tell you that we're going to preach everything, everything that exists between those two scriptures. This world is hungry for truth. This world wants to hear true doctrinal biblical truth. And we're going to start at Genesis 1-1 and we're going to preach on through to Genesis, Revelation 22-21. Everything in between. Should we not preach the whole word? Is there any parts anybody in here thinks we should lay off of? Should we not teach? Is there anything unworthy to be preached in the Bible? So we should preach the word. And we do preach the word. We have a pastor who preaches the word. And an anointed pastor who preaches the word with a lot of wisdom. And we're going to continue to preach the word. The whole world. Because we shouldn't leave anything out. But when we preach the word, we got to be careful. Because there's sometimes things that kind of bite and kind of sting. Things that are there for a reason and a purpose. And sometimes, again, in the flesh, no, no, no harm, no foul. That's just the way we are. But in the flesh, sometimes we say, well, that's an inconvenience. Now, that kind of stung me a little bit. Brother Barningham, we were just talking, and, and it was amazing. You said what you said before service because it's in my notes. He said to me, he says, we were talking about something else, and he said, it's like when you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, man, you're fat. You need to lose weight. I know you're all going, you heard this, haven't you? It's all right. I was mad for a while. But he said, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, man, you're fat. You, you got to lose weight, or you're going to be hurting. And you go, oh, you're, that's so rude. I, oh, I hate that guy. And you walk away as you're panting, up, down, going up the stairs. <laughs> right? Climbing bluffs in Fountain City, dying out there. And you go, you know what? He was right. I was offended for a minute, but you know what? He was right. And he was preaching the truth. But see, you need to understand apostolic person and veterans, you know what I'm talking about. And young people, you need to understand right now, the world is hungry. They're starving for real truth. See, Isaiah chapter 31 says, woe unto them that go to the world for help. And do you know what modern progressive Christian churches have done over the last 20 or 30 years to try to capture new people, to try to grow their churches? They've gone to Egypt for help. They're bringing in all this crazy fancy stuff and parties and Starbucks and ATM machines and all this crazy stuff that they thought would be attractive to the world because that's what the world likes. And you know what the reality of it is? The world is sick of the world. They're tired of all that garbage. And so they're becoming hungrier and hungrier. I'm reading articles all over the place that people simply just crave truth. So we need to preach the word in truth. We need to rightly divide the word for everybody. And so we need to preach all of the truth, all of it, from Genesis 1-1 to, Gen to Revelation 22 and 21. We need to preach it all, right? But you know what? God needs you. God needs you to be able to preach that word. Why? Because of what I said before. Because pretty soon, they're going to be knocking on our door. They're going to be looking. And the harvest is going to continue to come through our church. And we need to minister to those folks. We need to love them. And we need to minister to them and preach them, teach them the word. And we need to have expectation. Because you know what? 
no matter what's going on in the world, this is where we draw the line. So you may not realize it right now because there's all this, this tumultuous political stuff going on. And I'm going to tell you something right now. The church is not political. Not this church. We're not political. But politics will continue to affect the church. Make no mistake. The government will be upon our shoulders in a, in a roundabout way. And they are now. Now, you probably don't recognize it. Maybe some of you had, but it's in the ether right now. It's in, it's just sort of hanging in the horizon. Because right now, everything's against the president and all that. You've heard all that crazy stuff that's going on. They're tearing apart UC Berkeley. Cracks me up. UC Berkeley, the birth of free speech. And they're ripping people apart because they're out there trying to have free speech. The world is tearing itself apart. They're so, they're so confounded in contradiction and hypocrisy. It's amazing. And see, and, and these bastions that people found of refuge that they could go to, 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 to turn it off and to get away from, from the hate and the, and the evil and all that stuff are slowly crumbling. See, people could go home and they could shut the door and they could sit down in their recliner and they could turn on the Cosby show or they could turn on Leave it to Beaver or, or, or some television show or some program or sports and they could get away from all that terrible stuff. And guess what? Now the enemy's got a hold of that too. And so people are sitting down and they're looking at debauchery and evil and nastiness and all this terrible junk. And so that bastion is gone. The bastion of free speech is gone. The media is a disaster. You can't pick up a, a, a fiction book and not, apparently there's just, it's just rampant with filth. You see why people are going to start looking fine? One day they're going to pull the church off as long as they possibly can. Because, oh my goodness, if we go to church, it's taking my time and they're taking my money and they're taking, you see what I'm saying? But eventually, eventually, they're going to turn to the church because we are the one last bastion of true light in this world. This is where we draw the line. See, there's a push on in the world right now to start affect the church. And I'm sorry to say that there are many Christian churches I'm aware of. I've talked to people from them. I have friends and people. And, and I say progressive churches because there's, there's a tone to that. There's, it's those ones that have given in, that have turned. They went to Egypt for help. And they've watered their message down and they've backed off on parts of the Bible. And they, and they focus all on the songs and the music and the Starbucks and the lobby and all those different things. And, and they're starving because there's no substance to that. And they know, they understand. And they're tired of it. And they don't know what to do. But we can be that hope and that bastion and that light because this is where we draw the line. That push will continue on those churches, by the way. And it has been. You, do you know they do surveys on churches now, on Christian churches, and ask the question about how people feel about the acceptance of alternate lifestyle pastors and ministers and members and you know that in the last 10 years the number of people now accepting and feeling that that is great and acceptable and perfect and scriptural and all that has skyrocketed it's progressively seeping into these churches this this lie see the devil is a, is a master at taking the truth and turning it into a lie taking good and making it bad the world now says that the Bible and what we preach and what I'm saying today is hate speech. But you can go out on the street and scream profanity and wicked, nasty things and rout and, and shout and, and tear things apart and burn things. And they, oh, that's free speech. Isn't that wonderful? It's good. It's a good thing. It's good that they're expressing themselves. But we express ourselves through the word of God and it's hate speech. 
I don't care. This is where we draw the line. I draw the line at the truth of God because I don't care. Amen. We need to preach the whole world from beginning to end. You say, well, Brother Cordell, not everything applies today. Well, you know, there's so much. Do we still stone our children? Do we still do do these things? No. And I've talked about this before. In the Old Testament, the law is civil, moral, and also ceremonial. There's a lot of the ceremonial law that Jews did with food and dress and all that stuff that God took away when, when he came in the form of grace. And we don't do that anymore. But the civil law certainly applies. We have civil law now. You must obey the law. That's what that was there for, was to tell us that we need to obey civil law. We need to be obedient and good servants and, and good citizens. There's also a moral law. The moral law didn't go away. We still can't kill people. So yes, the New Testament and the Old Testament are both relevant. The Old Testament is a mirror to the new. It was a guide to show us the way. Show us what relationship with God really meant. And we need to preach it from front to back. Well, you know, Paul never really was an apostle to Jesus. He, he, he came after Jesus was crucified. So I don't know. There's some things about Paul. Jesus Christ knocked him off the horse. Paul looked up and said, Adonai, who art thou? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. And then he changed his life, changed his name, and he made him the writer of three quarters of the, the New Testament, most of the New Testament. We have to follow those teachings, all of the word, all of the truth. We have to draw the line. Push back no more. The world is pushing, pushing, pushing. They're trying to convince you that things are okay. They're not, they're not okay. They're trying to get you to compromise. There's an old saying that says that patience, when it dominates, impatience, when it dominates, opens the door for compromise. And if we become impatient, waiting for God to do things in our church, impatient for things to grow, impatient for people to come. If we start getting impatient about what we want to see happen in our church and in our, in our ministries and in our lives, compromise is knocking on the door. We have to draw the line. This is where we draw the line. Folks, I'm here to tell you that your apostolic leadership have drawn the line, and we will not go any further. Many of you may not be aware of this, but our pastor, and over the years, our pastor has been approached and pushed to back off on things that he preaches or to change the doctrine in this church. You probably don't know this. He would never tell you. But he's been pushed to do it. And I, in some cases, I was there to watch him say, no. I've drawn a line on the truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. This is Jesus speaking. He said, he's talking to the disciples. He said, thy word is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. That truth is a solid word. There is no variation to the meaning. It's not an interpretation. You can't go to one church or the other and have a different combination or a different idea of what that truth means. It means truth. It means the word of God. When he was talking to them, he was talking about thy word. Of course, he was talking about the word he taught them, his word. That's the word that's taught in this church and will continue to be taught in this church. And you can share that with your friends and neighbors. You can share that. You can know. You can come expecting, expecting that when your person comes, your friend, that loved one, that person you're so concerned about, that neighbor, that relative, whatever you want, and they come, you can rock solid, stand steady, and know and expect that when they come here, they're going to be taught the truth the real thing that they're truly hungry for. They may not even know it at the time that they're hungry for it, but they're going to be taught the truth and they're going to feel the real spirit. 
See, we don't conjure up the spirit here in just music. We have awesome worship music. Would you agree to that? I mean, we, we worship in praise. Amen. But we do that because we usher in the presence of God. I always like to say that music is the thing that plows the rows. See, your heart is the soil, right? And music plows the rows so it can be ready to receive the seed. Now, hopefully, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, they did their job and they did a good job. And if you opened up and you gave something and you, you opened up to God, your soil is soft right now. It's been tilled by that worship. We don't use worship as a way to bring in some false spirit to say, oh, this is God, and you know, it's all rah, 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 and isn't that exciting, and don't you like our rock concert? Come back next week and bring your wallet. That's not what we do. <laughs> I think I'm joking. I've been there. I've seen it. But that worship prepares the soil for the seed of the word. And if I'm doing my job, and I'm doing what I feel like God directed me to do, hopefully I'm planting a few But the word goes and it does its work, whether it's me or anybody else, right? So we need to understand that what's happening in the world is simply a function or a process in God's plan that really works in our favor, if you think about it. It's a terrible place to be, I understand. I don't like going to the grocery store and looking all that stuff in the aisles, and I don't like to hear people's language. It's a bad place, I understand. But if you have expectation... And you expect, you're expecting God to start to move in the revival that we've heard about for so long. You know that those things are going to precipitate people coming to this place and coming to you and opening up opportunity for ministry. You've heard me say it before. There is nothing, in my opinion now, it's my opinion, it's not scripture. There is nothing like standing at an altar and working with a new person and guiding them through a place of repentance and watching them filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll trade everything I've got, every personal possession I have, if all I could ever do is just pray people through to the Holy Ghost and see them go to that tank over there. Praise the Lord. So I promised you this part when I mentioned it earlier and I talked about guests. Guests and members alike, I want you to understand and know we're going to continue to preach repentance. We're going to preach repentance. You know, folks, is it okay if we call sin a sin? You know, we have to preach sin sometimes. We do. We have to preach what's a sin. If there are things that you are involved in that are displeasing to God, there are anti-scriptural or displeasing to God, chances are that's a sin. You need to understand those things are a sin, and they can wreck your relationship with God, and it could cost you your soul. We need to preach against those things that are sin. We can't be afraid to offend you. We can't be afraid to step back. Why? Because this is where we draw the line. Sin is sin. It still exists. The world can tell you that it's not. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. It's good. All these things that are happening, we see, and I'm, not, I'm purposely not mentioning them because you've got stuff going through your mind. You know what I'm talking about. But sin is sin, and it will take your soul. And we need to be bold and brave and ready to talk about those things and say, this is sin, we need to preach against it. Now, do we condemn people? No, therefore there is now no condemnation from God. Romans chapter eight, we're not here to condemn. We're here to say, hey, I've got a way for you to get that sin off your back. And if, you, if, we, if we're preaching sin and you got a sinner you brought, don't go, oh man, you're offending my friend. Say, hey, my friend's gonna find out about how to get that sin off their back because I'll tell you what, they're desperate. They're desperate to get sin out of their lives. 
They don't want that junk anymore. They're tired of that evil. The way they're living it, the way they're doing it is not working. It's destroying their lives and their marriages and their finances and all of that stuff. They just, some of them just don't know yet. But we're going to show them how to get that off their backs. But we're going to preach sin. We're going to preach repentance. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And at the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, uh, Luke 13 and 3, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. These are hard words that need to be preached. Do you think in a lot of the progressive, fluffy churches with, with Starbucks in them are preaching, telling people, repent or you're going to perish? Or are they glad handing them and telling them, oh, just love God and your bank account's going to grow and there's all this prosperity waiting for you? Absolutely. Acts chapter 3 and 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. New person, member, current visitor, we are going to preach repentance. If you have not found a place in your life yet with God where you've completely given it over, you've repented of those things. I'm not talking about saying, oh God, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. I'm talking about getting down to an altar somewhere and pouring your guts out. I've lived a life wrong. I've lived a life of sin. It's not working. I'm tired of the depression and the pain and the anguish. God, I'm guilty of these things. And pour it out. We always call it a 180. You know, come down, do a 180. Repent, turn around, completely go in the other direction. We're going to preach that at this church. And if you have not had that experience today, there's an altar right here. It's the place where we've drawn the line. And we stand on the truth but you need to repent, okay? There's a lot of turns and tone out there in the world today that says, just believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. I'm hearing you today that that's the first step. But if you're just believing on the Lord, you're living your life the way you used to, that's wrong. And it's a lie from the enemy and that church has been given a progressive message and we're here to preach the truth because we've drawn the line. You need to repent today. We're not going to sit and listen in on people. We're not here to hear people's ideas and their thoughts and all the gruesome things they want to say. That's not the point. What we're trying to do is help you get that load, that burden, that yuck off of your back and out of your life. Because that begins the walk for you. And you can have expectation that God's going to move in your life. Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. We're going to preach the Holy Ghost. We're absolutely going to preach the Holy Ghost experience. I said earlier that this is an apostolic Pentecostal church. The day of Pentecost occurred after Christ ascended into heaven. He visited with the apostles several times and he told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry, be there, stay there. And power's coming. And he was talking about himself in the form of the Holy Ghost. And he filled that room and filled them with the Holy Ghost. In Matthew chapter 16, he told Peter, you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you bind loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You have the rules, Peter. You have my commission to teach and preach. And shortly thereafter, Peter stood up on that day of Pentecost in Acts and said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom, I'm going to listen to what Peter has to say when God returns to the earth and the most explosive thing that has ever happened on planet earth in history. 
in the form of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 and 2, and, and, and I know many of you have heard this. Now here's another thing I want to talk about. I'm going to slip this in. Many of you are veterans. You've been around a long time. You're preaching Bible studies of your own. You're teaching. You teach up here. I, and sometimes you come to church. But I want to prepare you for the future. I want to prepare you that you're going to come to church and you're going to hear messages that you've heard before. You're going to hear scriptures preached that you've heard before, but you need to understand the person sitting two rows behind you may never have heard it one time. We cannot continue to come to church and go, oh man, I heard this a couple years ago. You know, or like, oh, okay, I'll turn on my phone. And I'm not saying people in here do that. I've seen it at churches, though. I've seen people just shut off. Because like, well, I'm fat and full. I've got all that word. I don't need any more of that. That's not what we're here for anymore, folks. This is where we draw the line. We're changing. There's no more of that. The veterans, you come and listen and learn and pick something up. God direct you. And maybe that person two rows back needs you to turn around and say, hey, you want to come up to the altar and pray? Come expecting. Expecting that if you're hearing that message, the preacher was given that message because there's somebody in our congregation today that needs to hear that message. That needs to hear that original baptism message, that original repentance message. Absolutely. Understand that moving forward, we got to have expectation. You hear something old and you expect, oh boy, we're getting a, we're getting a baseline message here. We're getting one of the, the basics. There's somebody in our congregation that needs to hear that. God's going to fill somebody today. Have that expectation. Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Today at this altar, you can have that experience. Now you might say, oh boy, I thought I heard this was a Holy Roller Church. Boy, that's, this is kind of weird. I don't know, I, my, my other pastor told me to watch out for these guys. I'm here to tell you right now, this is where we draw the line. We teach the truth here. If you're not sure about it and you want to talk to somebody, we'll show you. We'll teach you a Bible study. But I'm preaching everything from Genesis 1 to 1, Genesis 22 to 22, Revelation, because that's what we do here. I will not compromise that message. I will not stand by and let someone say, all you have to do is believe and you're saved. Because Mark 16, 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We're not going to compromise the message and we're not going to stop preaching it. So if it gets boring for you, take notes. Learn how to teach it yourself. Learn how to preach it yourself. Maybe God's calling you to a ministry. If you're bored with everything that you're hearing here, that's okay. I understand because you're faithful. You've been here for every service. You've gone to conferences and ministries and all that stuff and you've heard it so many times. Guess what? You're a powerhouse of ability in God's kingdom. You're an explosion waiting to happen in God's kingdom because you know it and you've heard it and you live it. And you have that ability. We don't need to sit by and say, well, maybe the next message will be really, really, really deep. And then I'll go, wow, I got something out of that. Or you can recognize that you need to have expectation that what you're hearing is for somebody sitting very close to you that needs this experience. There's a soul teetering on the edge, on the precipice of hell. Just waiting and God's calling him. And you have the ability to reach out and pull him back in. Because if they leave this building today and they didn't do that and, and God wasn't able to call and God couldn't use you because you weren't available and that person goes home, there's no guarantee they're ever coming back. There's no guarantee they make it home. There's no guarantee for any of that. But if you have expectation and you use what God has given you 
and you understand that we've drawn the line. The world has pushed us to a certain point and we go no more. We're going to preach the word and we're going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. God's going to do amazing things in this church. We're going to continue to preach the scriptural command. And I use the word command and and you guys know what I'm talking about. The command to be baptized in Jesus' name. Do you know that progressive churches around this country are teaching people that baptism is not necessary and that it is simply a mode by which you become a member of the church? This is where I draw the line. As I said, Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now in, the, in, in, in linguistics, you could easily put and in, in, in there without changing the tone of the word or the meaning, you could change it to say that he, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth and is not baptized shall be damned. So you can put the reverse negative of both subject items in the first part of the sentence into the second. They just left it out because it's just the linguistic way we do it. If you don't believe, there's no point in not getting baptized or getting baptized. If you don't believe, it's just a waste. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so that scripture, and that's Jesus speaking, that's Mark, that's the gospel. That scripture specifically says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 22 and 16 says, and now why tarriest thou? Why wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 10 and 48 uses the word that I were used. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Today, in this very tank right here, and I think it's turned on and warm, Brother Imel, is that correct? It's, it's warm, right? In that very tank right back here, If you step up and you say, I hear it, God's calling me, and you want to repent, we'll pray with you. And we'll take you to that tank. I think there might be a baptism in the house this morning. You know something? Can I just throw something else in real quick? When there's a baptism in the house, we ought to be celebrating. We ought to be jumping up and down and saying, thank God, somebody just got baptized. Surround that tank and worship and praise with that person. Because they're coming out of that water into a brand new world and they need as many smiling, loving faces as they could possibly get to begin that walk that you and I have been experiencing for many years. But we're going to continue to teach that baptism and we should give that opportunity every possible chance that we can. We should come into this house expecting, hey, maybe there's somebody today that's going to repent and wants to get baptized. Happened just about a month or so ago. Someone approached me and said, hey, I've got a friend, Sister Crossway. She's here today, brought somebody. She said, I've been teaching her Bible study. She wants to get baptized today. We baptized her. Jesus' name. She's helping out in the food pantry, and she's doing pretty good. The point of all of this is that I just, I just felt like God wanted to send a message and get us rallied up again. We're the church of the mighty God. We're the church of the Holy Ghost. We're the church of power. But I'll tell you what, we're, we're dangling around with things because our stinking flesh just always pushes us in the wrong direction. And we're always fighting this flesh. And I hate it. But it's easy to get into that rut and kind of get into that slide. Everything's going pretty good. Other people are taking care of stuff. So we're just kind of coasting along. And God convicted me and said, no, you need to show up with expectation. We've got this altar worker ministry that we're getting kicked off and we're, we're looking for opportunities to pray for people. I need to come expecting that the preaching and the ministry and the word and the music is going to reach somebody and they're going to say, yes, I want, to, I want to pray. I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized. I need to come expecting that. Young people, if you're messing with stuff right now in the world, 
I'm telling you. The world's telling you it's okay. They're telling you it's fine. You feel, I'm strong enough. I can handle it. Don't go to Egypt for help. Drop it. Get rid of it. Push it out of your life. Because it's just the flesh calling you away from what God's got for you. There's, a, there's a, just a powder keg of potential and possibility in this young people's group that we have in this church. This coming, uh, in a, a month or two, I'm going to be preaching to them again. Every, every year I try to do a little something I call a pre-summer summit. And you folks need to understand that as we start to approach the summertime, and the young people are approaching that time when they get out of school, man, the devil just ramps up. The companies out there, and I'm talking about corporations, the soda companies and the movie companies and the magazine companies and, the, and the, all these, these travel places and all that, they just ramp up. They're just, right now, they're just, the gears are just going. They're just firing up the presses. They got everything in the world. The music industry, they're coming out this year. It's going to be filthier, nastier, more wicked lyrics than you've ever heard before. The kids' magazines and the TV shows is going to be nastier and deeper in, in, in debauchery than you've ever seen before. Every single year in pre-summer, they just ramp right on up because they're going after those young people. And if you folks don't, if that doesn't scare you or at least get you off your seat... Something's wrong because this is the future of your church. This is the future of the apostolic faith. And they need to be careful. They need to be prayed for. They need your support. I did a little message to him a couple years ago. I called Watch Out for the Hollywood Squares. And some of you remember the Hollywood Squares TV show, right? Well, in the Hollywood Squares, I had the internet, and I had TV, and I had video games, and I had movies, and I had etc. And I went right down the line. And I said, young people, you got to be ready for this now. They're coming after your soul. They're going to try to poison you. They're going to get this stuff in your face, and they're going to get you spending money on it, and they're coming after you. And I'm telling you, this year, I've been reading articles. I've been looking at what's going on in this world, and they're coming back strong. And if you're not here on that Wednesday night when I preach it, if you're not here ready to support your young people, I don't know. I hope you're, I hope you're somewhere praying for them because we're going to do that pre-summer summit and we're going to get these young people to stand strong and ready when the devil comes after them at the end of the school season. Praise the Lord. Let's stand this morning. I'm closing. I just wanted to share this with you this morning. I feel like God's just saying, you've got a right to get excited. You've got a right to take a stand and feel good about who you are. You've got a right to say, I am apostolic. I am full of the Holy Ghost. I have expectation. And I'm ready for good things to happen in this church. And we have a right to look to the person to our right and look to the person to our left and say the same thing. Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you ready? Are you feeling full of the Holy Ghost? Are you ready to be used by God? Do you have expectation that awesome things are going to happen in this church? Well, I'll tell you what, folks. If I were you right now, I'd run down to this altar and I'd say, God, give me something because I've got expectation. I want to see what you're going to do in this church because I've got loved ones that are unsaved. I've got neighbors that don't know God. I've got people that need God so desperately. People that are in a hospital People getting cancer and illnesses and things and they don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't have God in their lives. Are we going to get on fire? Are we going to be full of expectation and faith? I think that's what he's looking for. I think he's reminding us today, you're an apostolic Christian and I've filled you with power like you can't even understand. All you got to do is use it. Praise the Lord. God, we're so thankful again for the truth that you've given us, the word. Lord, your truth and your power and most of all, God, your mercy and grace. Thank you so much, Lord, for the, the blood that you shed on Calvary. Lord, the work that you've done in protecting. 
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.